Hello, hello, and welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Realm of Unknown podcast. And it's been a little bit of time. Uh, we had a bit of a pause after the Fright Month episodes came up. Life has been a bit of a transitional period at the moment. I do apologize for the, I believe, weaker two or week and a half uh, pause between these episodes. This is going to be the more consistent uploads of a we- of the weekly basis. Usually uploading on Saturdays over here. I'm hoping to eventually get to the point in which I can do a twice a week upload, being Tuesdays and Saturdays. But at the moment, I am still sticking to the Saturday routines that we are accustomed to prior to this past October, in which I did expect to have more episodes up. However, again, a bit of a transitional period. I was actively job hunting at the current moment, and I had just started a new job early in the month. And then I left and then went to a, two new ones at the end of the month, um, which I'm currently at now. So it's a lot of managing schedules and managing um, what I'm able to currently do with my time of the week. And if you aren't unaware and you don't do podcasts or research stuff, a lot of this is research heavy. And a lot of that is the main time consuming aspect of what I do with these podcasts and what, the, what I do with these episodes in particular. And that is something that I'm trying to get ahead of more often than not. I have episodes that I'm currently researching weeks ahead of time so that I don't have to worry about that binge anymore. So yeah, uh, that's sort of the game plan as of now. What things are doing, I guess, I'm I'm starting two new jobs at the moment. I've been working one for the past three weeks now. I'm starting one in training at the moment. And I'm still actively hunting for other ones because... You know, student loan debts are something that is rather crippling at the moment. <laughs> it's something too serious, it's manageable, but it's definitely something that I have to focus on and make a priority. So this podcast and what I do here, as it has been in the past, is very much a hobby and pastime that I want you guys to enjoy as well, along with me. So that is what this is, and this is what it's going to be for the foreseeable future, we'll see if things change later on down the road. But again, I I apologize for the little delay, and I shall get into this episode because it's not really too much more that I want to discuss, at least at this moment. But before we do begin, I want to run a quick promo for you guys, this being the October Pod Podcast. They are a horror podcast with a rather interesting and unique retro spin to its overall structure and episode base. Listen to their chilling tales of fear and wonder with their promo right here. I can't stop. I can't stop. Must follow. Stream October Pod wherever I go. Was you thinking about the show? Oh, please. Please don't start on me now, Rollo. Please. Rollo says smile. Rollo says Rallo says go summon the devil. Edward October presents Octoberpod, a terrifying spook show. Available now on YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, and at OctoberpodVHS.com. Octoberpod, retro horror for bold individualists. Thank you. 
Okie doke, so today we are talking about Philadelphia urban legends, or myths essentially, and I was originally going to make this the Halloween episode, the final episode of the uh, October Fright Month, and then I figured this is a lot more than I can just really wrap up in like a day or two, and I kind of want to flesh it out a bit more and really hone in on specific stories that I find interesting. And I felt like I couldn't do it justice within a really, really, really rushed schedule. So I let it breathe a bit more, and we are getting it today. And in particular, I believe I have four or five, I think it's four, stories for you guys today. All being urban legends, all focusing here in Philadelphia, or having some relation to it. I'm pretty sure all of them are here within the city and its boundaries. So they're Philadelphia-based. And I always find that interesting. I always love urban legends, and I always, again, love Philadelphia because I'm right here. And obviously, Fright Month was an entirely Philadelphia-based event, essentially. And I kind of wanted to continue that somewhat as we transition back into the normal weekly schedules. So for the very first story that I'm going to be talking about today, we have the Hag of Pine Street, or otherwise known as the Witch of Pine Street. If you're not aware, Pine Street is a major street here in Philadelphia. It's one that runs from west or east to west, and it is relatively the region that we're going to be talking about is relatively between sort of center city slash old city area. It's sort of in that transitional period. I'm not too aware of all those like in between neighborhood sections, so bear with me if anyone who is another Philadelphian and they're just like, why don't you know that? It's like, I know the areas, I don't know the specifics. But in this particular story, we are talking about an elderly woman who, again, is supposedly this hag of Pine Street. So during her life, she is claimed to have lived on Pine Street between the streets of 5th and 6th, although some reports have her living on the block between 6th and 7th. She is said to be a rather mean and cruel individual during her old age while living there, She disliked children and young couples who would stroll by down the street outside of her home. Many times, she was often seen yelling at them as they passed by, waving her cane and smacking the wall or window in anger as they idled outside. Just a rather mean and sort of upsetting person to be around. Someone who's just not nice overall. Eventually, though, she did pass away. Again, she was rather old. However, the story continues that her spirit lingered in the home long after her death. Reports seem to date back to as far as the 1800s, as passerbys reported sightings of an elderly woman who would peer out of the window of her old home, yelling and banging and hitting the walls when couples or children would move on by. She was also sometimes reported, not as often as the through the window, but sometimes outside of the home and outside of the location, sort of just stalking about the sidewalk and moving, sort of like on a patrol outside. The home where she allegedly lived went unoccupied for a rather long time, mainly due to these strings of reports and rumors that began to spread. However, the story seems to end when a woman by the name of Betsy Bassett moved in and eventually contacted and brought in a voodoo priest in order to cleanse the location and eventually make the spirit move on. So, when it comes to the urban legend side of things, as you could probably tell, there's not a whole lot of detail when it comes to this story. Obviously, there's 
you know, the aspects of how she's haunting it, how she was cruel to young individuals. But that's it. We don't know specifics of her name. They leave out a lot of details. We, she's only known as the hag or witch. We don't know when she died, when she lived, what specific house she was on. Obviously, as seen as people aren't sure what block she was even on. And it's just debated overall if this story actually has any credible fact to it. Furthermore, there is actually no confirmation nor further details about Betsy Bissett's existence, even though she's mentioned in the story. And the activity itself could very much be explained by there actually being an angry old woman who resides at the location. Or even an actively loud homeless individual who is hanging about in the area. Plus, to the, the spot that they are discussing, the particular two blocks of Pine Street, it's a rather well-resided area. It's houses pretty much side by side. There's no real alleyways in the area. And I just can't imagine that with so many houses in that confined space that other residents wouldn't pick up on this, that the next-door neighbor wouldn't report this, people across the street wouldn't spot her in the window. You would assume that if these blocks have this reputation, that the people who live on said blocks would speak up or be like, yeah, we see this too, or yeah, people run around in fear on our block. It's not the case. So this continues to be a sort of little bo- like boogeyman of the area and has no real credible fact behind it. But next up, this story is a bit more complicated, I guess, so to speak. It's something that definitely stretches a bit more than one or two city blocks. And this is the wandering bus, the bus to nowhere or bus zero. As the story and reports go, there is a SEPTA bus, which if you are not familiar with, SEPTA is the transit service here in the, I believe it's an an anagram for the Southeast Pennsylvania Transportation Association, or associate, I don't know, the A, but it's for this area of Philadelphia, or not Philadelphia, this area of PA in particular, and stretches a little further out. So this story in particular focuses on a SEPTA bus here in Philadelphia that has no discernible destination, it has no route, and it has no set time for its stops. It does not show up on any maps or any transit schedules that are posted publicly. The only discernible feature of this bus is that it stands out from others by the fact that it has no typical route number on its illuminated sign. SEPTA buses, like a lot of other buses, they have that sort of route number and destination that pops up on the front of the bus with illuminated letters and like words and stuff like that, and this one does not have that. The only thing that it has is the name SEPTA that just stays there. And in addition, this bus in particular does not stop for any old passenger. The only person or the only individuals that it does stop for are people who have no set destination in mind when they are waiting for a bus or just walking about, which typically doesn't occur too often if people are trying to ride public transit. Usually you'd be thinking, I need to get on on this stop in particular. So the bus seems to not care also who it picks up exactly. It doesn't really discriminate between age, race, gender, It really doesn't matter as long as you meet specific criteria aside from that. 
The only real requirement, asides from the aforementioned no destination in mind, is that the person must be at their absolute lowest. Like mentally, emotionally, they must be at an absolute low in their life. With this, the bust almost appears out of nowhere and decides to let this person on board. You are sort of placed when you step on board and you decide to ride the bus. You're kind of put into this vegetative state, essentially, is like the best way I can describe it. And you're just kind of stuck. You're stuck in your own thoughts and you're stuck in your own mind in the hopes that things will get better. You're just sort of in that limbo state of like, I'm really down. I, I just wish things would get better. How can they get better? You're just constantly running through that scenario in your head. You're sitting on this bus and you're just replaying that. And the driver of the vehicle seems to change around. Every account of this story has it as either being a woman or a man, but no one really knows exactly anything else. There's no discernible features, no one really knows anything specific about them. They just see a man or a woman looking like a bus driver driving the bus. And they do agree that it is a person, essentially. And in addition, which is rather creepy in my mind, uh, the passengers that are also on the bus with you, the ones that are have been stuck there prior to you boarding the bus, they don't look at you. They're all stuck in their own thoughts. Everyone's sort of looking away. No one makes eye contact. No one makes a conversation. It is just silent as you ride along. Once you do decide to step off the bus, however, the time in which you spent on the bus seems to just fade away. Whether it was a few minutes, or a few days, or a few years, as some accounts of this bus say that you kind of stay on it as long as you need to, the memories of your trip become rather vague and cloudy, as seen by the fact that a lot of reports don't know too much about the details of the passengers or the bus driver or sort of where you were going. Everything is kind of really vague at the best. And the one thing, however, that does remain the same when it comes to pretty much all accounts and reports of this particular bus is that once you do manage to step off, once you do decide to leave the bus, obviously you just pull on the little rope and it, it's your stop, but once you get off, you're generally let off at exactly where you need to be to make your life better, to be better, to feel better, whether it's you know needing a better job, needing to see someone, needing to be somewhere in particular, you're let off at that location. It doesn't matter where it was, doesn't matter where it is, you're there. You're where you need to be, in like you in particular. And the bus sort of just moves on and fades away into the distance. But similar to how the Hag of Pine Street had a lot of vagueness and really no details to the story itself, there are a lot of holes when it comes to this particular story. First off, again, similar to the first one, it is rather vague as to whether or not this bus is stuck slowly in one particular area. Again, they say it's wandering about Philadelphia, but is it only within the city boundaries? Can it travel elsewhere? Some stories say it can, while others say it can't. In addition, the bus seems to appear all over the place, whether it can be on an actual route or not. It just sort of pops into existence. And there's really no localized zone when it comes to these stories. In particular, it would also seem that similar bus-related stories actually pop up 
pretty much wherever public transit sort of is, these sort of phantom buses or phantom cabs, phantom trains, it's sort of a trend. And this particular story, the one of being, you know, the septa bus to nowhere, this story also doesn't seem to be all that old in particular, or at least not on the internet, that is. It seems as though the presence of this story only dates back to around 2010 or 2011 on the internet. Whether or not it goes back further, you know, via word of mouth in real life is a different story as that's sort of hard to determine in a major city. However, the spike in knowledge of the story itself, you know, being spread about in real life, people knowing about it or people, you know, hearing stories about it, that didn't increase in popularity until after the story popped up online. So people can't really determine when the story began to spread on its own, but when it comes to the internet, you can sort of pinpoint a location, and it's been pinpointed that it actually occurred when a comedian visiting Philadelphia sort of mentioned this story, and it sort of went wild from there, so whether or not he made it up, or whether or not he is like the root cause for it he brought it up and it sort of began to spread so whether or not you know the phantom bus is out there who knows it looks like a normal septa bus except for the one sign so if you could tell whether or not it's the bus i don't know if you could so maybe it is i don't know and our third story is something that it's not very like spooky or urban legendy it's more of a rumor and a myth essentially and uh if you are a resident or nearby philly or just in the surrounding area or you're into sports you've probably heard of this one this is the only one i heard of when growing up so it's definitely the more well-known i think of sort of like a mainstream type urban legend and this is the curse of william penn so the william penn curse is supposedly a curse that was applied to any and all major league sports teams here in Philadelphia. I know, it's very specific, just bear with me. The curse supposedly began in the year of 1987, when construction of the One Liberty Building made it the tallest structure within the city, pushing it above the very tip of City Hall, which, if you are not familiar with Philadelphia, is adorned with a massive statue of William Penn, the city's founder. The curse would continue on from 1987 up until the year of 2008. So within this time frame, this curse would only apply to a few specific teams. This being the Philadelphia Phillies, being the baseball team of the region, the Flyers being the hockey team, the Eagles being the football team, and the 76ers being the basketball team. Again, it only affects these ones. Philadelphia has had a lot of major league teams within its time span, but because this curse began and ended within a specific time frame, all other major league teams do not count. They were either disbanded years prior to 87, the closest being the shared Philadelphia Stars, the football team, and the only other that would not be affected would be the soccer case, uh, being the Philadelphia Union, which was founded two years after the curse was broken in 2010. So the reason for the curse, again, being the construction of the One Liberty Building here in Philadelphia, 
There was a sort of agreed-upon standard not to construct buildings taller than the Penn statue itself. Again, the Penn statue is the very tip of City Hall. So any other buildings that were being constructed were you know, enforced by the Philadelphia Art Commission who had to in- approve their construction. And up until this point, there was sort of an unspoken and like gentleman's agreement type thing when it comes to hey, let's not make anything higher than the very tip of the founder of our city. Eventually, though, this would change, obviously, when skyscrapers became more abundant within major cities around the world. The reason for the frustration, too, with sports fans is the fact that Philadelphia and its teams were not all that bad up until this point. Throughout the 1900s, teams across all different sports did fairly well for themselves, especially between the years of the 1940s into the late 1980s, right before this curse sort of happened, where each respective sport won at least two of their championships. And at the very least, if they were not the winners or making it to the very last round, they were able to make it into the final rounds. They were able to make it into the finals. They were able to go very far within their seasons, and it was very encouraging for fans. However, this all ended in 1985, two years prior to the curse sort of sparking. And this being the last year that the city would have a team that would make it to the championships. And this just so happens to be the year that the One Liberty Building began its construction. So the very last year that we won is the year that the curse was set into motion, essentially. Now this belief, this sort of superstition that would sort of linger about the city, it began to grow and muster throughout the years. And again, I knew about it through my dad, who knew about it through his dad. Like People just knew about it, and I grew up in the suburbs. So it it's, has since grown out to affect all areas that sports fans of these particular teams would be living in. And, you know, it's just upset after upset, poor seasons, and lack of, you know, getting to the final rounds, let alone the championship, sort of put people into a sour mood. People began to blame the curse again, saying that William Penn himself was the cause for it as punishment for moving him from the highest point in the city. Well, that finally changed in 2007 when a smaller version, a replica essentially, of the statue itself was placed upon the final beams of the newly constructed Comcast Center, another majorly big building here in Philadelphia. And the following year, in 2008, the Philadelphia Phillies would win the World Series. And then continuing this momentum would be the Eagles, who would win the Super Bowl recently. So officially, the curse is broken. Whether or not this continues to be the case, we'll see. But as of right now, it's looking good. And finally, we have a rather interesting story. This is the Philadelphia Experiment, a government conspiracy theory. Rooted right here in Philadelphia, which is really interesting to me that we have our own conspiracy theory. I've heard about the Philadelphia Experiment prior, I didn't know too many details about it, and I think I just assumed that it wasn't in Philly. I think I sort of assumed it to be similar to like the Manhattan Project, where 
it was just a code name, but no, this is like the actual thing. And again, it took place here in Philadelphia. More specifically, it took place in the Naval Yard, which is positioned in the southern tip of the city, situated along the Delaware River. This particular conspiracy was dubbed the Philadelphia Experiment due to its location and where it was taking place, and it relates to the U.S. Navy destroyer escort, the USS Eldridge, who, according to the rumors, was rendered completely invisible or quote-unquote cloaked to all enemy devices. This military experiment was said to have occurred sometime around the date has said to have occurred sometime around late October in 1943. The story itself, however, did not make a first appearance until many years later in 1955, when letters containing information on the story were sent to an astronomer and UFOologist, Norris K. Yesup. I'm probably going to pronounce his name wrong, it's a weird one, but it's Yesup. I don't know. And these letters were sent by a man who identified himself as Carl M. Allen. Although his name is sort of debated whether or not it's his actual one or just a false one applied into the letters. So Alan, the guy who sent the letters to Yesup, he claimed that he had witnessed this World War II experiment. Again, it took place during the war and it was sent out many years later that it was publicized essentially. He claims that he witnessed this experiment within the Naval Yard here in Philadelphia in which the USS Eldridge just became invisible he claimed that it became completely invisible he claimed that it teleported to different locations that it hopped from philadelphia up to new york and that it was even able to move through space and time the story itself is actually a lot deeper than i could really ever manage to combine or condense into one section of this weekly episode and it really takes a turn for the conspiracy angle. There's some really dark like imagery associated to it with soldiers sort of melding into things and the ship sort of blinking in and out of existence and just the experiment going awry and having to like dismantle and cover up. It goes really deep and it's really interesting. However, throughout it all, the U.S. Navy remains rather adamant that the experiment did not take place which is why we have the conspiracy theory about it, and which is why I am going to have a separate episode with further details and just solely focused on the Philadelphia Experiment as its own standalone thing. It isn't the largest conspiracy out there. It is something, however, that is much more... It has much more details to it. It has a lot of dates and names and a lot more information that I just... I can't condense into an episode like this. It's an episode that has like four individual parts to it that it's already like a half hour and I don't want, you know, half of the episode or even further to just be the Philadelphia Experiment and the other three kind of are short ones on its own. But I wanted to mention it during the Urban Legend stories because, again, it takes place here in Philadelphia. And I would say it's one of the more prominent ones uh, like when it comes to myths and legends here in Philly. Other small ones do take place. They're relatively small. They're more so rumors and uh, speculation on people's parts here in the city. And that ranges anywhere from, you know, Midgetville, which is a thing that I feel most major cities have around the United States. And that is something that 
I think is actually technically real, uh, real here in Philadelphia. And I think there's one in New Jersey, too, years, years back. There are reports of, you know, hidden tunnels, which most cities have. However, it's not deep enough to really discuss about. There are reports of, you know, things that we've already talked about, which is actually a lot of things that I was, I, I could put into this. The story with the weeping mother statue up in Laurel Hill Cemetery, a location we already discussed. Obviously, people put haunted locations as spots that are urban legends. We've talked about a lot of those already. And I'll, like it's just a lot of the stories that I could also combine into this are already covered or aren't big enough to really be mentioned with these other four. But I found them all interesting that I wanted to put in here, so I did. And again, the other three are rather short in their, uh, I guess, details and what they actually are because, again, they're just rumors. They're just legends, essentially. Everything is hearsay. Everything in here is just word of mouth being spread throughout the years from families to friends to neighbors to just slowly trickling out to the suburbs and then bouncing back in and coming to the city. It's an interesting environment. And I think it's and urban legends here in uh, cities are always something that I find intriguing. And I think I may do other episodes focusing on urban legends with other major cities around the world. And if you have any suggestions, definitely do let me know on like Twitter or email me. I would definitely love to cover your city if you want that to be the case. So that will be future episodes in, uh, I don't know when in particular, I have a schedule essentially. I'm like mapping everything out ahead of time, trying to get episodes like blocked in for specific weekends. And uh, I think the Philadelphia Experiment episode is going to be occurring. I forget when exactly. I want to say it's going to be next month at like the latest or something. It's not going to be the next episode, but it's going to be within the near future because I really want to do a deep dive and I'm already working on other episodes but I think it's interesting. I think it's something that should be talked about because it's one of those, again, not not major conspiracy theory out there, but um, it's definitely an interesting one. And it's definitely one that, again, has some rather macabre details to it and uh, some really weird science angles that, I guess, make it the conspiracy theory. And I haven't really talked about... Actually, yeah, I haven't talked about any conspiracy theories here on this channel. And I have a few... Gosh, channel. I always keep saying that. I'm not on YouTube anymore. Not solely i should say on this podcast i haven't talked about any conspiracy theories and i have a few that i do i do want to discuss i have like three or four that i have just been sitting on that i just haven't been able to like find the right time or enough like good information about that i just like or new angle because that's a big thing for me too i want a lot of these major stories that i'm interested in that i find interesting and i'm fine you know beyond exciting to research those have been done to death i i apologize for it but it's the fact like there are so many podcasts out there there are so many youtube channels blogs like research like there's just so much out there that people do and it's great i love that people are covering this but as a fellow listener to a lot of those you know, other podcasts to a lot of those YouTube channels in the past, reading blogs and stuff like that. As a listener, I understand that these are interesting, but if I've heard the story 
five, six, seven times already, and it's being read from like the same sources with the same angles. It gets a little dull. I already know all the information. Essentially, all I'm listening for is the reaction that, you know, people on YouTube or in podcast sense, if there are multiple hosts, the reaction that others will get from listening to this or the discussions that will come out of that. However, when it comes to my podcast, I don't really have that luxury due to the fact that I solo the entire uh, podcast. I have had one guest on, and we've talked about the Amityville house, uh, that being a friend of mine. And aside from that, I don't have hosts. I don't have other guests on at a frequent rate. And therefore, I don't have that luxury of being able to have that genuine reaction and conversation with another individual and bounce back ideas. So when it comes to other topics and other major ones that we could discuss, I really, really, really want to get a specific angle to it or new information or put something like a unique spin on it. If I can't do that, I'm not going to cover it. And so that sort of Ixnays a lot of the conspiracy theories that I would do that people have already done. That's why I'm not going to be covering Eastern State Penitentiary here in uh, Philadelphia unless I go to it again and do an investigation or something. I'm not going to be doing, you know, like the Annabelle doll or Robert the doll. I'm not going to be doing uh, like the Queen Mary that everyone's like, I'm not going to do major stuff. But again, I had that list and I'm hoping to get a few of those done because. Those are interesting. Those are smaller ones, but are still rather interesting stories. And I can't wait for you guys to actually, you know, take part in it. But I'm rambling on, and this episode is essentially done. I've gone through all my notes. And I just want to wrap up by saying thank you guys for those who took part and listened and participated with Fright Month last month. It was an interesting experiment. I'm definitely going to have to pre-prep for it further in advance. It was sort of a last-minute decision to do. However, if we do do it next month, or next year, God, next month, if we do it next year, I will have more planned in advance. That will be probably finished up in the summertime, if I'm honest, uh, for October. But aside from that, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope if you did enjoy it that you would leave a review, which would really help me out. Or you guys could share it with friends. I The podcast is pretty much on every major podcast platform that you can think of. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. I host here on Anchor, which is super amazing. You probably already heard an ad for it or going to. It's because Anchor is really helpful and it's really great for being a, uh, a solo podcaster. Someone who has to research, edit, uh, distribute, all that stuff on my own. It really takes the hassle and headache out of that, so I do appreciate that. So thank you. If anyone from Anchor, I doubt you're listening to this. Uh, <laughs> if you are, uh, thank you for that. Um, but yeah, if you guys want to keep up to date with everything that is going on with the podcast, do so over on Twitter or Instagram at Realm of Unknown. And if you have any of your own stories, then send it over to realmofunknown at gmail.com. And also, just because I did this a lot during Fright Month, I'm dialing back a little bit because there's not a whole lot of focus on it right now and i am sort of waiting until there is but if you do want to support the podcast and you do want to check out some additional behind the scenes stuff that i may just scrounge up from research that i've been doing or to locations that i've visited in the past 
Fright Month had a lot of episodes that I had locations that I could go to and take photos and videos and look about and explore. If you want to support the podcast, then you can do so over on Patreon, and all of that exclusive content is going to be over there. A lot of it is actually public for people to view, such as show note links, uh, interesting articles that I might come across that aren't going to be in an episode, or just extra topics or polls that might pop up. Those are all going to be public for everyone to enjoy. But if you do want to support it, there is a $1, 3 and $5 tier list. I do not want to go above $5 because I feel as though a monthly subscription should be something small, especially when it comes to something that you're going to get a decent amount for. And I think it's something that I don't know. I definitely want to push it more. And I hope that if you guys do enjoy this podcast and you do enjoy the content that I provide, that you do hop over at the very least just to be part of the community and say hi and take part in some of the free stuff that is there pretty much every week or so. And uh, if you do check it out, say hi and I will say hi back. (laughs) Um, But until then, I shall see you guys later. I hope you enjoy and I hope to see you guys next episode as we explore the realm of unknown. But remember to stay spooky. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.